This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Late Night Drive. My name is Ellie Schnitt. I'm your host. I'm your driver. I'm so happy you're here joining me in the passenger seat. I hope you had the best week, but if you didn't, you're in the right place. Let's chat about it. Okay, right off the bat, my radiator has been emitting a high-pitched whistling noise for the better part of an hour. I don't know when it will stop. I don't know if you're going to be able to hear it, but if you do, like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I really need to get a better like recording space. But you know what? We ball, you know, like this is where we're at. But hi, how are you guys doing? What's what's the what's popping? What's new in your life? There's not a lot going on with me. It's been a boring week. I think I'm about to be really busy. So I'm just trying to enjoy the fact that I had like sort of a boring, like not busy week and trying to move on with that. But I feel like every single person I know, like all of my friends had a terrible week, <laughs> like bad, um, like getting laid off from jobs bad. Like two of my friends got laid off. Um, I don't know what the deal with that is. If you got laid off, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm not an economy person, but I feel like... Mm, Firing people is not the way to make the economy better, right? Like, I feel like, didn't we learn, did we not learn this lesson several times over, like, in the Great Depression and stuff? Like, the way out of the Great Depression was, in fact, hiring people, creating jobs, not firing people. So I don't really know. Honestly, I should be president. I'd be like, it's illegal. You can't fire anybody (laughs) right now. Pause. Until we all figure this inflation thing out, we have to chill. Although I have heard that inflation is like better now. It just hasn't been reflected yet in like the typical person's life, I guess. I don't know. Like we're a couple months behind, but it has been somewhat corrected. But also at the end of the day, what the fuck is inflation? Like literally print more money. Like I don't. What do you want from me? Like really, if you made up this system of money. Just make more, make up another rule. I, I, I don't get it and I never will. And I suppose that's why I should not be anywhere near any kind of career that deals with money, uh, math, numbers, laws, sort of that kind of thing. Probably not for me, except I do think I should be president. No, I was um, having a conversation last night, actually. Y'all know about like the narcissism inventory test? I've talked about it before. If you've never taken it, Google narcissism inventory test. And it's like the first thing that comes up. It's on this website called Open Psychometrics. Anyway, I always send it to people I'm dating. (laughs) And I send it to my friends and stuff. But I always send it to people I'm dating because it's like, let's see how much of a red flag you're giving off here. And so I sent it to Jacuzzi Man, who, by the way, scored like really high I don't know if you know about this test if you don't know it's like the highest ever recorded so it's on a scale of you know zero to 40 most people score like nine to 12 nine to 13 and the highest ever recorded was 35 and that was like a murderer like a someone with actual like psychopathy so I sent the test to this guy no tell me why he scored a 25 25 Sir, (laughs) immediately to jail, go. (laughs) I'm so scared right now. 
for real i'm so scared i'm like oh oh my god although i will say he's been given sort of ample opportunity to murder me at this point and hasn't so um i guess i'm kind of i don't know but maybe he's lulling me into a false sense of security and then he's gonna murder me i don't know it's in either in any case i'm like that is really high and i scored 15 by the way which is a little high, but like normal, like my job is a little narcissistic. Like I'm a little vain. Like it is what it is. Like I think I'm like normal vain, like normal narcissistic, like not psycho killer narcissistic. And he told me he was surprised that my score was so low. And I was like, first of all, fuck you. Like that's rude. Um, But I think what it's explained by is while I think that I am more capable than most people, while I think that I could be the ruler of the world I don't have any real desire to have power like I don't have any real desire to like be president like could I do it like if I was magically elected president and was like you're the only one like you're the chosen one you have to do it could I do it and do a great job yes I believe that but like do I want to do that no and so I think that's what keeps my narcissism low because it's like I think I could do it. I don't really want to. I don't want to like be in charge of people. I'm not really that interested in leadership. I'm just like, I'm down to like vibe. Um, but I'm good in a crisis, you know. If there was like an emergency where I needed to be the leader of the world, I think I could do it. <laughs> anyway, take the test. I want to know um, how you guys did be honest with it. I mean, as honest as you can be. Obviously, it's not like getting evaluated by like an actual therapist, but you know, like do your best. Other than that, nothing's really new. I think, unfortunately, we are in that weird part of the year. I like to call it January blues. It's like this like mid to end of January until like the middle of February where you're just like, um, is life worth living? (laughs) And it's solely because of like the sunsets and solely because of the weather and solely because of like, I don't know, January is always a little traumatized. Like, don't you feel like something traumatic always happens to you in January? Like February is just like the worst month of the year. It's the Tuesday of the year. Horrible. So I feel like I'm experiencing that a little bit. Like, I feel like I'm I'm feeling myself not want to be a social. I'm feeling myself. I mean, I'm looking around my house right now and I can see that I'm I've lost a little bit of motivation <laughs> to keep things clean. It's not terrible. It's been a lot worse, but it's not would not say it's clean. And I think that the blues, the blues are really setting in. Although I think it was like a couple days ago, the sun set at five o'clock and it won't set any earlier than five o'clock for the rest until like November or something which is great you know fucking sick days are getting longer but like not really you know (laughs) like they're getting longer by like a minute but it's still better than nothing and there's been a little bit of sunshine I feel like what's really really hard about winter (laughs) okay hot take alert winter is hard (laughs) hot take alert um winter is tough because like the, the sky has been gray for three weeks like who can be happy in an environment like that? Like, even if you're doing absolutely everything you can to get out of your, like, January blues funk, it's like, what are you supposed to... You can't... I'm not a god. I can't fix the weather. I can't make the sun come out. I do... When the sun does come out, I, like, sit by my window and soak it up like I'm a plant. Like, I really, like, will sit there and just be like, I am soaking in sun rays because if I don't... (laughs) I am not going to make it. But yeah, I just wanted to check in with you guys because, you know, it can be really fucking tough this time of year. And I hope that you're, you know, doing okay. And if you're not, just know you're certainly not alone. Not by a long shot. Everybody's struggling right now. And don't be afraid to ask for help. I was thinking about things that could make the January blues a little bit easier, like rituals, things that help me get out of a little bit of a funk. And I was thinking like the things that make me feel better also feel really, really hard. <laughs> and I was like, but you know what? It's the time of year where I don't want to do anything that's too much. Like I just want, I want to feel better in the laziest way possible. <laughs> and so these are some of my tips, my lazy girl tips for feeling a little bit better. Um, okay, if you're just like in that January blues funk and you're having a moment, you're like, I don't want to do anything. Life sucks. Everything's awful. I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. 
eat a piece of fruit, just listen, go eat an apple out of the fridge. Just go eat a freaking baby clementine. Eat a piece of fruit. I don't know why, but it always makes me feel a little bit better because it's like, you know what? At least I had some fruit. <laughs> and I feel like it jumpstarts my day because it's got that, it's got, it's like sugar, you know, it's got sugar in it and it energizes you a little bit. That's one thing. Another thing is when I'm having those moments, uh, go like wash your face, like Go like grab toner on a cotton round and just like sort of like refresh yourself. Spray yourself with like a toner. I don't know. I feel like it's the idea of like disrupting your blah. It's disrupting the rotting with something that's like the opposite of rotting, which is like life. And so fruit splashing your face with like water to like sort of like wake yourself up. Sometimes changing my clothes, like sometimes literally if I don't want to do anything that day, I'm in bed and I'm like, fuck, if I get up and just put a pair of jeans on, don't know why, but that like that's like a hard rewire for my brain where I'm like, I guess I have to do things because I have jeans on. It's creating a sense of novelty almost like I know that these are really silly things, but they do create a little bit of like a ooh something new and your brain needs that kind of stimulation. And this is the worst one. And I'm going to tell you, this is the one that works the best, but it's hard. Besties, it's hard. And that is to just go outside. Every time you feel like shit, go outside. I promise you're going to feel better. Like even if you're pissed that you're outside because it's freezing and it's raining and it's snowing and it's disgusting, I promise you're going to come back inside and feel so much better. I hate this. By the way, I hate it. I hate when things like this work because I hate going outside when it's cold. But really, every single time I've been like, I um, want to lay in my bed for the rest of the week. I will go outside and... And I'm better. Like it's it's horrible. I hate it, but it does work. So if you really are in that like funk, you're really in that January blue spot, just force yourself to go outside and see how that makes you feel. Suppose these are all basic tips. Next, I'm going to tell you to drink water, which like you fucking should be drinking a lot of water. Drink more water than you think you need. Take vitamin D supplements. You know, I do. It helps. Sometimes it helps me to like do a dish. <laughs> clean one little thing just so like my brain has something to focus on. I think mostly what I try to do is like remember that like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like you don't have to like change your life in an afternoon. Like you don't have to go from like totally rotting stage to like total look at her. She's making a TikTok my daily routine like that girl kind of shit. Like you don't have to do a 180. Like you can do like an inch if that makes sense. Like it's better to like be out of your bed eating a piece of fruit than it is to be like laying and rotting in bed. You feel me? Like even doing one step better is still better. And that is something that's really hard for me because I always want to like completely transform my life, be like super scheduled, super routine. And then I get really frustrated because that's hard. And if I can't do it perfectly, then I'm like, ugh, it's not even worth it. And then I just go rot again. And that mm, is not a good way to live. So I'm really, really working on being like one little thing is better than nothing always. Something is better than nothing always. Just trying something little to make my mood a little bit better. It's always better than doing nothing because like if you do nothing, nothing's going to change. If you do something, it might change 5%, but that's 5% more than it was before. So January Blues, just wanted to check in, give you some tips to make it a little bit easier if you're struggling with that. Um, and yeah, what are we going to talk about today? I guess I kind of dove into one of the things I wanted to talk about as it was, but I wanted to talk about... Uh, another method that is helping me keep my life in order at this very difficult time of year called the three things method. Um, there's a DM about a super cringe texter, you know, when you're dating a man and he's perfect, but then he sends like his text messages make your skin crawl. What do we do with that? Uh, and then we'll get into a couple of voicemails. So if that sounds fun, fresh, flirty, fierce, fantastic to you, keep on listening. Mm, you know what I forgot to do last week was tell you about my fucking upstairs neighbors. That was the update I had promised on my Instagram story and I literally just forgot about it because I was very, very focused on all the Jacuzzi Man stuff. But okay, so they broke up like there was a really big fight. They were screaming at each other all morning but, like they do that sometimes, you know, and then eventually it got really quiet. And I was like, okay, they're done fighting. They're going to fuck and like it's going to ruin my day. It was like really quiet. 
And then you just hear like sort of footsteps all around the apartment. I'm like, what is going on up there? Um, And then the guy like walked out and I mean, like I heard him in the hallway and he was like, well, I guess I guess that's that. I'll come for the rest later, something like that. And I was like, what is going on? By the way, I'm like pressed to the door, like for what it's worth, like my ear pressed against the door because I want to hear what's going on. And, you know, he sort of dejectedly goes down the stairs and and he leaves. And I was like, that was weird. I wonder what that was about. And then later in the day, I'm taking the garbage out and I like walk down the stairs. I'm like in the lobby and the man is there and he's holding like a big box of like stuff. Like looks like he got fired from a job, but the job being the boyfriend and he's walking out with stuff. And I was like, oh, oh my God, my nightmares, it's over. <laughs> like, it's done. It's over. Of course, I do have a new theory now because I think that I think the girl moved out too. Like I'm like very positive that no one lives up there right now because it's silent as the grave. And by the way, I'm not complaining about this. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I outlasted them. uh, But still, like, it's weird. Like I now I'm like, did they break up or was he just like taking some stuff to their new place where they're going to terrorize their new neighbors? It's hard to say. But in any case, it's over. My nightmare's over. I don't have to deal with those motherfucking people anymore. I don't have to sing at the top of my lungs at midnight so that they shut the fuck up. I <clears throat> I am a person of peace and love and I want people to be happy. But I hope those two are fucking miserable. Like, and I'm not even sorry about that. They truly made my life such a misery for like two years. At least it feels like two years. It might have been one year. I don't know. Either way, I'm glad that they're gone. And that that's the upstairs neighbor's update. It's not really like juicy. It's just like fucking sick. Anyways, the fuck was I going to talk to you about? Oh, the three things method. So January blues, we're suffering. We're struggling. I mean, I'm assuming that you're suffering and struggling. You might not be. You could be listening to this and going, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. January, (laughs) best month of the year. Like maybe you live in Australia and you're like, it's down under, mate. And it's the sun is shining and it's summer in it. Wait, that's not Australian. (laughs) I think that's how it works, though. Like their seasons are opposite, like January is summer. Anyways, you could be thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. But it doesn't matter. Even if you're not having a January blues moment, if you ever struggle with like getting, with being productive, like getting things done, this is really helping me right now. I might not help you, but it might. This is really helping me right now. And as somebody who's like going through the blues, as it were, if I can do it, you can do it too. So what is the three things method? The three things method is something that helps a lot of people who struggle with ADHD. And I don't really struggle. Like, that's not a diagnosis that I've got. I don't think that I have ADHD. But a lot of the, like, self-focusing kind of uh, advice helps me. (laughs) So maybe I do. Fuck, who knows? Anyways, basically what you do is in the morning, you write three things down that you want to complete and you, like, rank them by importance. Like, number one take out the trash. It's something I really want to do. Number two, you know, I have to send this scary email that I've been putting off. And number three is I want to vacuum. And those are the three things that you're deeming vital in your life right now to do. Just three things. And you've ranked them by importance. The idea is you have to do at least one. You have to do the thing that is most important. And for some reason, when you do that first thing that's most important, you're more likely to just do the other two things too. Because like your brain sees a list and it's like, I want to check off a fucking box. Like you get excited and also like an object in motion wants to stay in motion. So once you're kind of moving and once you've started it, you're more likely to actually complete the tasks that you've laid out for yourself. And then you end the day with this sense of satisfaction because like you did what you set out to do, even if it's three really small things, even if it's literally like take all the cups off of my bedside table and move them into the kitchen. Like don't even do the dishes, just like move the cups. Even if like that's the thing you completed, you still have this sense of satisfaction and it helps make the days a little bit easier because you don't feel like you've 
wasted a day. Like even if you do nothing else but those three things, at least you did those three things. And also, even if you only did one of the things, at least you did one thing. The other aspect of it is like if you're having trouble motivating yourself to do the first thing, which by the way, like starting, that's the hard part. The trick is to say you only have to do it for five minutes. If you do it for five minutes and you're fucking miserable and you want to stop, then we'll stop. You don't have to do it because all you need to do is attempt it. Five minutes, if you hate it, you can stop. But honestly, once I start doing it, I almost never stop doing it because it's like, yeah, it fucking sucks, but like I'm already up. <laughs> I'm already doing the dishes. Like I might as well finish the dishes. So it's kind of like tricking your brain. And that combination... My therapist was like, these are like kind of tried and true methods for people who struggle with ADHD. But I think it can really apply if you struggle with depression as well. If you struggle with like winter blues, seasonal depression, sad, whatever. Because like it's kind of a similar thing of like seeing these tasks as so insurmountable. It's less about focus and more about like your everything feels an equal level of difficult because every, like it feels really hard to just exist. I think when you're feeling blue like that so breaking it down into really small pieces and telling you like being gentle with yourself and saying you really only have to do this for five minutes you can do anything for five minutes it's five minutes of your life um and and encouraging yourself in that way like I think it's a technique that can can be really helpful whether you struggle with ADHD depression whatever you are struggling with like if you have a hard time getting your shit together especially in the winter I would try these things. They are helping me. Like I said in the beginning, like my apartment's like messy right now, but it's not as bad as it could be. It's not as bad as it's been because I'm getting at least three things done every day that I know I need to get done. And it makes me feel a lot better. So the three things method and the five minute method, and we use those together and just see what happens. And remember to be gentle with yourself because everybody's struggling right now and you don't need to be like yelling at yourself. You don't need to be telling yourself like you suck because you can't do this. Oh my God, why are you rotting like this? It's gross. You're gross. <laughs> These are just little cute things that my brain likes to tell me. But really like be gentle with yourself because everyone struggles from time to time and you know, you have to kind of be your biggest cheerleader and and almost like hold your own hand. Like like imagine like you're a little kid, like this little part of your brain that like really doesn't want to do any of this. It's like that's part of you is a little kid and you are the adult and you're going to hold the little kid's hand and you're going to help the little kid clean or do whatever task that you need to get done. Like be really gentle with yourself because you would never tell a kid like you're lazy, you're a piece of shit because you're not doing this. You wouldn't do that to your little baby self. Think about your little baby self. So cute. You would never say that to yourself. So don't say it to yourself now. And separately from those things, I just want to add this one more thing. If you do struggle with ADHD, but it also helps people with anxiety a lot, um, it's, it's called body doubling. It's essentially like just having somebody either visualizing someone there or physically having a person there while you're cleaning or whatever. Can I talk about this? I might have already talked about this, but if I haven't, body doubling really helpful like being on the phone you know when you're like on the phone with your friend and you're sort of like walking around your apartment and all of a sudden you find yourself like doing the dishes it's that concept like it's the idea like just that just like having somebody there makes it easier to do it because the part of your brain that's yelling at you and causing all this shame and like anxiety is busy like it's occupied talking to your friend or doing whatever it's doing um so it ends up helping you get shit done so if you if all else fails <laughs> If you are really in dire straits, if you are rotting to the extreme, if you are truly SpongeBob with the suds, like unwell right now, like call a friend and just see what happens. Don't like put any pressure on yourself. Just like have a conversation and see if you end up picking up the clothes off your floor or anything like that, because it really does help to just like be on the phone with somebody while you're doing it. You feel less alone and you end up getting more done. So those are sort of our updated rotting tips, our January blues tips. Um, I hope that that's helpful for I hope that that is helpful for you. It's helpful for me, even though it's fucking hard, <laughs> but we can do hard things. Like Glennon Doyle says, we can do hard things. So, all right. Let's get into the fun stuff now that I feel like I've done like the therapy stuff. Um, let's talk about cringe texters. Okay, this is 
This is all DM. So I'm going to read this. This is from our girl Maddie. She said, help, I'm going on a second date with this guy who I really enjoyed my time with and I could tell he was really into me, but he is such a cringy texter. Like, I know his intentions are sweet and kind, but the way he goes about texting me, what do I do? I already told him I'm not a big texter, hoping he would get the hint, but he offered to call or FaceTime instead and then proceeded to call me when I texted him a few days later. When we were going up, when we were on the phone, it was like going well and I remembered how much I liked him. But then he texted me after and said, it was very good to hear your voice, praying your Sunday errands to be as painless as possible. Like, what the fuck is that? Are you actually praying? I'm so confused. I also can't tell if I'm the toxic one and I'm just being mean and picking apart his his text when he's just being nice. What do you think? Like, what do I do? <laughs> okay. All right. Have you guys seen the TikTok? That's like... um. <laughs> Dating nice guys, but they send you voice memos like this. Good morning, starshine. The earth says hello. Like that honestly. <sighs> okay, you're not wrong for this. Like I'll say this. You're not wrong for it. Like I know that sometimes men are cringy texters, especially when they're nice, especially when they're older. And that's not their fault. Like I, <laughs> when I'm texting like an older guy who's like in his 30s and he uses like the crying laughing emoji and I internally cringe because at the end of the day like I'm a Gen Z cusp shithead and I'm like that's so cringe I have to remember that he doesn't know that and he just thinks my text is funny and like there is an aspect of it where you have to just be a little nicer than you want to be read it in good faith I mean I think you don't Okay, I think like when you're in college and and you're early 20s and you're dating, like you're not used to somebody who like actually gives a shit about you. Like we keep dating guys like in our early 20s in our in high school and college. Like I swear on my life, we all date guys who genuinely would rather shove us into oncoming traffic than like not fuck other people or like treat us kindly. Again, I mean, I also somewhat recently did this, but whatever. Um you are not used to somebody who like actually does give a shit about you and like wants to hear your voice. <laughs> and like when I say it like that, I know it sounds insane. Like it sounds like like I'm telling you that you're like damaged goods and like I don't mean it like that. It's it's like the most normal thing in the world, but I think you it's just something you got to get used to that when somebody gives a shit about you, they're going to make that clear. And like he's not like like with the Sunday text, like that's a nice thing to say. It's he's showing you that he's interested. He's showing you like he really, you know, wants to know that you have a good day and like is thinking about you, you know? I mean, is it a little much for a second date? Maybe, but it's still sweet. Like I think it's at the end of the day, he's got good intentions and he's a great guy. And you even said like when you're on the phone with him, even just talking to him like in person like that, you forget about the cringiness. If it's just the texting, that's the problem. I do fear. I'm not going to say that you're being toxic. Like, I won't say that because I don't think you are. But I think you're doing that thing that we all do where like we try to find something wrong because maybe we're not actually ready for the kind of relationship that this person is offering. Um, and who fucking knows? Like, he's a man, so he could turn out to be a fucking psycho, love-bombing serial killer. But... <laughs> He could just be a really nice guy who's interested in you and wants to like date you and be in a healthy relationship with you. And it's entirely possible that you want that too and you're scared or it's possible you don't really want that and you're realizing that and you're thinking, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. He is so nice. He likes me and I'm going to break his heart, something like that. Like sometimes those alarm bells start ringing. But like that's more of a question you have to ask yourself. Because like at the end of the day, I don't I don't see anything wrong with what he's doing. Because like, listen, you are not a, you're not alone. Oh, my God. Every single day I cringe at something that Jacuzzi Man has texted me. <laughs> but I guess it's a little different because I'm not actually like interested in being in a romantic relationship with him. But regardless, every single day he says something where I'm like, that is the dorkiest thing I've ever read in my entire life. Like, I don't know. You are so pure like it's like a sense of like how have you lived this long and not realized that that is a like a cringy thing to say and it's cute I think it's cute so I think like reframe the way you're seeing it and decide that it's cute and sweet that he like cares and if you don't like that if that's like not something that you are interested in right now you're not ready you're not emotionally there maybe 
maybe like cut and run because I feel like this is somebody who I feel like you could end up making this person very sad. And again, I don't know you. I don't know this guy. Again, he literally could be a serial killer. Like (laughs) he is a man. It's hard to say. But it sounds like a situation where it's more like your brain trying to sabotage and less that he's doing anything wrong. And um, I think you just need to have a conversation with yourself about what it is that you really want and what you're really looking for and what it is that really bothers you. Like, what is it that really is irking you about those texts? Because I think that's a good question to answer, too. I feel like whenever something really bothers you and there's no like logical explanation for why, it's really good to sit down and be like, what is it? Like, get to the root of why this is triggering me or bothering me. And then, you know, you end up becoming a better person because you figure out what thing is bothering you about it. Because maybe it bothers you because... Okay, I'm going to playfully project here for a minute, so just go with me. But it's like, if a guy a couple years ago was texting me like that, you know, I was going through a period where I really felt like I wasn't a good person. So receiving a text like that from somebody who seems like such a good person would make me feel insecure. It would make me feel like I wasn't, oh my God, he's such a good person and I'm not. And he's going to see that and he's going to run. And so those texts would make me uncomfortable and I would say, oh my God, they're cringy. I hate them. But really, it was because of my own insecurity. Again, that's me. That's me in my example. I don't know you. I don't know your life. Could be something completely different. Could be nothing at all. Could just be like, you just don't like, (laughs) you just don't like the way he texts. But I think it's worth examining. I think it's always worth examining and looking a little bit deeper. Late Night Drive with Ellie and Michaela is brought to you by BetterHelp. Um, So I love therapy. I have always been a huge advocate for therapy. I've been seeing my therapist for, gosh, going on six years now. So she's basically like a homie, less of a therapist, more of a pal. Just kidding. She actually is really, really good at her job. And I have benefited immensely from therapy. I literally feel... Like I wouldn't be the woman that I am today if I didn't have therapy as a resource. I think it's so good to help you work through not only like your daily problems and, you know, your work issues or your friend issues, your relationship issues, but also like work through things that have been patterns in your life that maybe you've identified but don't really know how to fix or things like phobias, anxieties, things that you feel like you have a lack of control over. Therapy can be really helpful in making you feel like you do actually have control because you have more control than you think that you do. But I know that it is not easy for everybody to access therapy. And that's why I love today's sponsor, BetterHelp, because, uh, I mean, there are states in America even where there's like two therapists that take insurance, you know, like it's really, really important to have access to mental health and not everybody does. And BetterHelp makes it super, super easy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give it a try. It is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest, whatever it is, with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash LND today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LND. There are some stories about my mom's life that I truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, her retelling of events always brings me joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all her stories for my family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mother for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Like, how do you want to be remembered? Or, what was it like when you first learned how to ride a bike? StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is respond to that email with the story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's response as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories you already knew or be surprised by stories you've never heard before. After a year of fun, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book 
that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. I lost three of my four grandparents by the time I was six years old, so knowing that my future children and grandchildren would be able to get to know my parents on a personal level means everything to me. Families love StoryWorth. That's why it has more than 25,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot, with millions of stories preserved since they were founded over 10 years ago. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com Ellie. That's storyworth.com Ellie to save $10 on your first purchase. All right, let's crack into our first voicemail. Sorry, I'm genuinely sorry. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. I do great impressions. (laughs) Okay, so here's a question that we got, a voicemail that I got about whether it's possible to turn a fuck boy into a friend. Um, Hi, Ellie. I'm calling with an interesting question. I'm calling to see if you could ever turn, like, a fuck boy into a friend. This guy that I used to hook up with college, in college, not with college, in college, like, 10 years ago, he lives near me and we text sometimes and it's actually really sweet and I have like no feelings for him anymore um I don't know is that like weird when I think about us in college like I feel like he was kind of a fuck boy and we just like were fuck buddies but I don't know maybe we can be mature and move on I don't know but are your I appreciate them bye I mean it's an interesting premise like actually wanting to be friends with a man after having sex with him could never be me. <laughs> um, no, I, I genuinely think that this is this is a no-brainer. Yeah, of course. Like if you want to be friends with someone, it's always worth trying. Also, like you said you were hooking up 10 years ago. I don't even remember what I was doing 10 years ago. You know, like after a certain amount of time, like I think it's fair and reasonable to expect that you can move on and be like normal and be friends and all that. But I also think that you know that, like, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just getting a little intuition here based on a couple of things you said. You said he's very sweet. You said you don't have feelings for him anymore. You said um, he was kind of a fuck boy in college and you were just fuck buddies. So it seems like things were pretty casual in college, but you might have had feelings for him. And like, I think you know that it's entirely possible to be friends with someone that you've hooked up with. Like, I think you know that. I think you need to make sure that you're asking the right question. Like, is this someone like you actually want to be friends with? Or is this somebody that you're trying to like rekindle something with? And both are fine. I'm not saying this in a judgmental way. I just think that like, why is my computer restarting? I just think that like, you know that you can be friends with someone you've hooked up with. In fact, it's not even hard. It doesn't even have to be 10 years after the fact. Like I've been homies with guys I've hooked up with because when there were no feelings there, it's like whatever. But if there were feelings there, the fact that like you feel a little funky, you feel like it's weird and you're calling into the show to ask me about it. You're either like the world's biggest overthinker, which like is entirely possible because I get you, girl. Like if that's you, like disregard all of this. I get it. Or you know that there's something more than friendship that you're looking for. Like there's something about it that's off, something about it that is weird, something about it that might cause conflict or something about it that um, could cause some anxiety or drama in your life because you wouldn't be this apprehensive unless you thought there was a reason to be apprehensive. You wouldn't think it was weird unless there was a reason to think it's weird, you know? Like I always say that, like it's kind of like when, I don't remember how long ago it was, but somebody called me and left a voicemail about like, is it weird to get dinner? I'm in a relationship. Is it weird for me to get dinner with my single coworker? It's like, it's not weird. But the fact that you asked that and you're worried that it's weird means it might be weird. (laughs) Like there might be something there. Like as a concept, it's not weird. But if you're worried that it's weird, there's generally a reason for that, you know? And in any case, no matter what you want, like, I don't know, go for it. Like, if you want to date this person, I'm all for that. Look, it's been 10 years. People change. I, I think fucking goddamn do people change. And you really just want to be homies? Like, that's easy. Easy peasy. Honestly, like, you joke a little bit about the past, but like, you leave the past in the past and you don't, you don't rekindle it. If you really just want to be friends, like, make sure like there is a real physical boundary. <laughs> just like a real like that is never happening again 
because then you get into that dangerous territory once again. But yeah, I think uh, I think this is a question for you more than it is a question for me. And let's get into our next voicemail. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so this is going to be our last voicemail. She's a little more on the serious side, but we'll have fun with it. Um, and let me play it. Um, hi, Ellie. Just want to pause for a second and say that your voice still makes me laugh. <laughs> um, I love your podcast, and I love listening to you every week. Um, I guess this is more like a topic of discussion, but I really resonate when you said that you had like a bad reputation in college. I personally was going through a lot and I slept around a lot and I found out that all of my friends were like slut shaming me behind my back. Um, I, I wasn't really friends with the best kinds of people. I also had a really bad reputation. So I don't know how much that you'd like to share about your college experience, but maybe just talk about like slut shaming and whatever you'd like to share. I don't want to really dig too much into your personal life because you don't want to share but like yeah like I just want to own my sexuality and not be ashamed for liking that and I think that's a really great topic so I look forward to hearing from you thank you First of all, it's not like you're not like digging into anything for me. Like this is something I've been super, super open about and I'm happy to talk about it. And I'm also happy that it resonates with you because I think when I was in college and I was like dealing with this situation, a very similar situation, like bad reputation, bad friends. Honestly, I really wasn't sleeping around. And in retrospect, I wish I fucked a lot more than I did because why not? You're in college. Literally, I'm so sorry. Like you're in college and after those four years, like you probably will never see most of those people ever again. Like truly, like you'll see the people you want to see. You'll see your friends. You'll never see any of them ever again. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's it's four years in a really capsule-like environment. And like you should feel free to fuck whomever you want, whenever you want, however you want. <laughs> well, not however, consensually, but you know what I mean? I'm like, so let's, you know, let me get that out of the way first. The first thing is that, is that like college ends and then it's just over and like whatever happened sort of happened. But when I was in college and I was going through that, like I felt really alone in in that feeling. And that's the hardest part of it, I think, is, is, is the loneliness. The only person that I was relating to was fucking, was fucking Taylor Swift when Reputation came out. I was like, girl, I relate. I relate on a such a smaller scale, but I do relate. Um, so I'm glad that this can, my story can kind of resonate with you. But, you know, I think like societally, we're just like not, the idea of slut shaming, like as much as I would love to wave a magic wand and make it go away, like it's pretty pervasive. We live in a pretty puritanical society. Like the ideas of um, sex and purity culture and like it's so much more deeply ingrained than you think it is. Like, we are like Americans are like kind of prudes, you know, like we're not really um, we don't really talk about sex that openly. We don't. And when we do, it's like a big ooh, sex, you know, like we make it a bigger deal than it is like culturally getting away from like the slut shaming of it all is really hard because that's just kind of how we've been raised. It's in every movie. It's in every TV show. Like so it's almost like a I can't. I don't know. I, it's almost like you can't change other people's perceptions. Like you really can't, but you can change the way that you look at yourself. And I think it was for me like a lot of internal work, but I didn't even do it at the time. At the time, I really was like, <laughs> I was like, I pretend that I do not see it. I repressed, actively repressed everything while it was happening to me because I could not deal with it. And my therapist to this day is like, 
uh, so there's just stuff we've never touched. And I'm like, yes, and we are not going to. <laughs> but don't do that. Um, I think I had to do a lot of work of like really just telling myself the opposite of the narrative that was created about me, like almost telling myself my own story. Writing really helped me, like writing things that had happened from my perspective and what had happened so I could understand the narrative of it. Because sometimes when people are like, um, this is what happened, you're a slut and you're bad and you're this, that and the other thing. Like you hear it enough, you might start to believe it. You might start to internalize it. So it really helped me to kind of like, okay, no, this is what happened. This is who I am. I'm a good person. I'm a kind person. There was somebody I was attracted to and I we were attracted to each other and we had consensual sex and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Like telling yourself your story over and over and over again, it, it makes it a little bit easier because you don't get swept away in the narrative that other people are creating for you. Of course, easier said than done. Definitely easier said than done, especially if you're like surrounded by like bad friends <laughs> because like I was. Oh my God, my friends sucked, except for, I will say, except for Jesse and Hannah and Eileen and Nate and everyone at Fat Jacks. But like, yeah, they were bad people and they were so miserable with their own lives that they couldn't see me having fun without wanting to like squash it, you know? They were insecure. They would see me talking to a boy that they liked and assumed I was like going to go fuck that person because they they thought that that person would like me because I was pretty or like because I was outgoing or flirtatious or like whatever. And I wasn't even interested in that guy. You know what I mean? Having bad friends makes the whole thing so much fucking worse. I'm really sorry that that happened to you. But the further you get away from it, like the further you are out of college, the more you're able to look back and realize the ridiculousness of a lot of it. Like it feels like, and, and I don't want to, I'm like, I'm not telling you it's not valid that you feel like really upset by it because you should be upset by it. It's fucked up. It's not fair. It's shitty. You're allowed to rage and scream and cry and shout at this guy and say how unfair it is that you're just trying to have like a good time and people are telling you you're like a bad person for that. Like, that sucks. It fucking sucks. But I will say, like, as time has gone on, as I've gotten a little space and a little perspective, I just, I think about how silly it all was. Like, everyone was behaving so weird. Like, I was doing normal things and everyone was acting like it was crazy. Like, I was like a monster for like kissing a boy, which is crazy. And I think about it and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that was weird. Like they were behaving weirdly. Like it wasn't me. Like I didn't do anything wrong. Like, like it wasn't me. Like, look, I will own that I made a couple legitimate mistakes, but for the most part, like I wasn't really doing anything. Um, and everybody else was acting like a fucking crazy person. They were acting crazy. And like, once you get a little space and a little perspective, like you're like, it's a lot easier to remind yourself of the story of your own life, which is that you are a good person and you're allowed to explore your sexuality and you're allowed to do whatever you want. And like people will make you feel bad for it, but it's about them and it's not about you. Like it's their issue. It's not your issue. <laughs> like it's their um, own internalized misogyny. It's their own inability to ex express their sexuality. It's their own insecurities and it's their own, who knows, like religious upbringing. Like there are plenty of things that will make a person behave badly towards you, but that does not define you. Like other people's perceptions of you are not what defines you at all, especially people who like will assume the worst of you. Like that's not somebody whose opinion of you matters like at all. Like my best friends, like my good friends and the friends I have now in particular, it's like, I care about their opinion of me because I trust that they actually give a shit about me and they see me fully for who I am. And it's different from a group of people who seemingly just wanted to like make me as miserable as possible. Like who cares about their opinion? They don't know you. Reputation is what it is. And I think Taylor Swift actually, <laughs> not to bring this back to Taylor, like, but it, I think she did a really interesting thing with reputation where like she had the understanding and the realization that like your internal life and your external life are not the same thing when you listen to the reputation album you know she has these kind of like big brash bold songs where she's saying fuck you haters you know but she also has these like really gorgeous love songs Ma the majority of it is actually love songs really sexy songs um and it's about how you can have this like beautiful 
inner life that is so different from what other people are perceiving from the outside. Um, and it's very tempting to put up walls and be like angry and be like, fuck you for seeing me badly. But at the end of the day, what really matters is, you know, the people in your life who really see you and don't think you're a slut and won't call you names or anything like that. You know, she has that lyric and this is why we can't have nice things where she's like, here's the toast to my real friends. Um, they don't care about the he said, she said, um, here's to my baby and here's to my mama. Like she's talking about like, it doesn't fucking matter what everybody else says. If people think that I'm a snake, a liar, a bad person, whatever, it doesn't matter because the people who really know me, they know that I'm not and it doesn't fucking matter. It does not fucking matter. So this was sort of an exploration on the topic. I really could talk about this for a hundred years because I've had to do so much therapy. <laughs> I've had to do so much therapy from things that happened to me in college and like the damage that people can inflict by slut shaming you. Um, so like, I'm so sorry that you went through that, but like you, you get out the other side, you know, like you see the sunshine and you realize that everything is okay. Uh, so I hope that that was in any way helpful for you. I'm happy to go into more specifics about therapy and things that I've worked on with myself, mantras that I've had to say and things I've had to do. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of like the basic overview of the topic. So besties with that, I think that that is our flirty little episode this week. So fun. Okay. So this week I've been listening to Ethel Kane because Julia Haba like really has been been evangelizing about it. So I was like, fine, I'll fucking listen to it. Um, and now it's perhaps my favorite thing in the entire world. So if you've never listened to Ethel Kane, go listen to American Teenager. And like, I think you'll get it. That's kind of the song of the week is American Teenager by Ethel Kane. If you like the show, if you like me, remember, you can follow me on social media at um, Ellie underscore Schnitt on Instagram and Instagram. You're going to find the discord link. You're going to find the voicemail number always linked, which, by the way, is 847-282-0462. Um, and usually other things that are important announcements, et cetera, are on Instagram. And then here's a friendly little fun, cute, flirty little reminder to follow me on Twitch. Subscribe and hang out. I'm live four times a week, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Um, and we we really just hang out. Tuesdays are Taylor Swift night. But other than that, like Thursdays are therapy Thursday. Come in with your problems. We'll talk about them. We play games. We do we do quizzes. We just hang out and we have a good time. And I, it's literally my favorite thing in the world. I have a blast and I love doing it. So um, I would love to see you there. And I think that's everything, right? I don't know. I think that's everything. <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, I hope you have a good week. I hope the January blues are not beating your ass too much. I hope that you're getting through. And I can't believe it's already fucking the end of January. So, okay. I love you guys so, 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 so much. You have no idea how much I appreciate and love each and every one of you. And as always, have a good day. Have a good night. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope it's a great one. And I will catch you on the next drive. Bye. Late Night Drive with Ellie and Michaela is brought to you by BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. <laughs> Visit BetterHelp.com slash LND today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-N-D.